live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours. It is a Monday, December 5th, the year 2022. We know three teams in the state of Louisiana are going bowling. We know the Saints have a golden opportunity tonight in Tampa Bay. And Jose, 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 what a night it was for Alvarado and the Pelicans. These stories and much, much more coming your way today as my main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also proud to be on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1041thegame.com. Um in 1037thegame.com. If you're in the Acadiana area and you have a television set, you can always pop that on as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, after losing back-to-back games, the LSU Tigers found their fate as they're heading to Orlando January 2nd for a Citrus Bowl matchup with the Purdue Boilermakers. Brian Kelly summed up a 50-30 SEC championship game, lost to Georgia like this. Well, congratulations to Kirby Smart and uh, University of Georgia on – being the SEC champs, uh, they were the better football team today. Proud of my team. Uh, proud of the fight that they um, they gave today. Uh, we were just a little short. Some key plays, obviously, in the game were, you know, pivotal. Obviously, the special teams play early. Um, inability to get off the field on third down, uh, fourth down, a couple of uh, opportunities that we had to, you know, convert. Um, so in its totality, I mean, you're talking about five or six plays where, you know, look, coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? The best team won today, but uh, I love the way our guys competed. They fought, um, and, and that's who they are. That's the identity of this team all year. Uh, and unfortunately, we were not clean enough in some of those areas uh, against uh, the number one team in the country. And when you're playing the best team in the country, for an SEC championship, those things. Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess those things come up and uh, bite you. So we need to get a little bit cleaner when we do these uh, when we do these edits on this sound. Um, the Tigers finish up nine and four uh, with a chance to get to ten wins if they can beat Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Brian Kelly talked about yeah the tough loss to A and M, the tough loss to Georgia, but the process and the progress has been made. Well, I don't think there's, 
you know, anything that can take away from uh, what this team accomplished on the field relative to winning an SEC West championship. They won that on the field. Um, what I think it does is it, it, it brings into light clearly the progress that we've made um, and the things that we have to continue to work on. So I think it just, I think for everybody, it, it clearly defines who we want to be and that we're not there yet. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. We're not happy that we're not the SEC champs. That's not what we wanted today. We wanted to win this game. But we know where we're at. And and we've clearly talked about what we need to do to be the SEC champs. And uh, that's okay. We need to go to work and get better at the things necessary for us to be better collectively, individually. And so they will um, figure out the transfer portal is open. Uh, there's a lot of names out there. Haven't heard anything from LSU yet, but we'll update you as we find out what the heck is going on with that one. January 2nd, LSU versus Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Meanwhile, after becoming bowl eligible, thanks to their season-ending win over Texas State, the UL Ragin' Cajuns found out their bowl fate. They will be in uh, Shreveport for the Independence Bowl. They'll be taking on the Houston Cougars on December the 23rd. Here's Coach Michael Desimo and his thoughts on the Eye Bowl. Um, you know, yeah, we're, we're really excited um, to get the opportunity to play in the Independence Bowl. Um, you know, for our kids, you know, this is the fifth year in a row getting to go to a bowl game. Um, certainly the Independence Bowl has got a long history, um, a lot of really good football games. And, uh, you know, I have memories from whenever I was a kid watching the Independence Bowl. And, uh, you know, I think for us getting to play, you know, we talked about how bad we wanted to earn that extra game, how bad we wanted that the bowl game, the 13th game. Uh, and for us getting to do it in state, Against a really good opponent like Houston, it just it just makes it even better. So um, I'm excited for our players. You know, excited for this staff and for this team to get one more opportunity to go do it. And uh, you know, getting to do it in, in Louisiana in Shreveport just makes it even better. The Cajuns are six and six. The Cougars are seven and five. Uh, Coach Dez talking about why this is one heck of a matchup. I hope so. I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah. No. I mean. I have a ton of respect for, for Houston and for that program and what they've done. And uh, for us, I think it's a it's a matchup we can get excited about for sure. You know, I mean, our players, you know, we'd have been we'd have been happy to play anywhere, anybody. I mean, honestly. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is when you play a team like Houston that, you know, certainly them moving up to the Big 12, um, all those things that go into it. But then, you know, I mean, just the brand Houston and the name and recognition and for a lot of our kids. Louisiana, East Texas kids. I mean, they're all familiar with Houston. So for us, it's just it's a it's a great situation for us to get to go and go play a really good team. So again, December twenty third, the Cajuns in Shreveport to take on the Houston Cougars. We're down now to um, the state championship matchups in high school football. Um, three Acadiana teams still alive to compete for a state championship congratulations in the select 
Division II title game as it's an all-Lafayette affair. Number one seed, St. Thomas Moore, will battle dis- District 4-4A rival, six-seeded Lafayette Christian for the D2 championship. That's Friday at noontime. Vermilion Catholic held serve. They remain undefeated. They'll take their number one seed into the select Division Four title game against number three seed, Washita Christian, that game Thursday night, 7 p.m. inside Caesar Superdome. So congratulations to those that are staying alive. Uh, believe it or not, the New Orleans Saints have a golden opportunity tonight in Monday Night Football as they are in Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Carolina Panthers were uh, had their bye week this week, so they're four and eight. The Saints are four and eight. Thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers, because the Steelers knocked off the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. The Falcons are now five and eight. If the Saints can turn it around and go on the road and beat the Panthers tonight, Tampa Bay would be five and seven. The Saints would be five and eight. They'd be a half a game out of first place and hold the tiebreaker, so they would still be staying alive. If if they lose this game, they would be two games behind in the loss column, uh, two and a half games, uh, three games behind in the loss column, excuse me, uh, and there's no way to catch up. Uh, the Saints will have a bye week uh, coming up after tonight. So Chris Roseville-Glue will join us in a few minutes and uh, we'll, we'll preview this huge opportunity and this huge matchup for the New Orleans Saints. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Pelicans won yet again. Yet again. Um, Jose Alvarado had a career high 38 points as the Pelicans at home yesterday beat a very good Denver Nuggets squad by the score of 121 to 106. Still no Brandon Ingram, a very subpar CJ McCullum. Uh, but thanks to Alvarado, thanks to Zion Williamson, uh, the Pels get a win. And when you look at the standings now, the number one team in the Western Conference are the Phoenix Suns at 16 and 7. The number two seed in the Western Conference at 15 and 8 are the New Orleans Pelicans. Holy cow. Eight and two, their last 10. They've won four straight. They average 117 points a night. They give up 110, a plus seven differential. The home court has been very kind. They're nine and three overall at, at home. They're five and one against division teams. And uh, they're just playing really, really good basketball. So, um, at the 3 o'clock hour, Christian Clark will join us, and we'll talk about uh, these Pelicans 23 games in. It's a great sample size, and it's been a great start to the season. So Phoenix with 16 wins. Uh, Boston has the most wins in basketball with 19. Milwaukee has 16. So the Pels are right there at the top of the crux and, and doing a tremendous, tremendous job. So... There you go. Um, again, our guest list today, Chris Rose for glue on tonight's matchup, Saints and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Glenn West joins us each and every Monday. We'll share his thoughts on this LSU football program. Look ahead to the bowl. How many players do you think are going to opt out? Hmm, we'll find out. Christian Clark at 3 o'clock. 
Uh, talking about the New Orleans Pels and the NBA, Blake Rafino at around 3.30. Much, much more on LSU. We'll hear from Coach Dez as well uh, and a couple of other things here and there. So um, there's your headlines of the day brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, the first touchless robotic laser non-invasive device that gets rid of the the fat in your abdomen area and your love handles eon e-o-n it is safe secure affordable they have financing available what a great christmas gift that would be for your wife or your husband your girlfriend or your boyfriend whoever they would greatly appreciate it just go look up eon e-o-n of lafayette Tara LaPerry and her staff, ah, what a great, great stocking stuffer that would be. It really would. Uh, if you like movies, well, we've got one for you. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Saints Bucks tonight. Preview next here on the Jordy Helper Show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And we are back tonight in Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football. The 4-8 and eight New Orleans Saints are on the road to take on the 5-6 and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As I said earlier, thank you, Pittsburgh. They beat the Falcons yesterday. Carolina had their bye week. Saints with a golden opportunity to get to 5-8 and eight with a win, dropping the Bucs to 5-7. and seven. How sweet would that be? Uh, Chris Rose was kind enough to join us with with yet another opportunity for the Saints. They keep us right there on the edge of the cliff there, Chris. We're still keeping hope alive on this thing. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing great, Jordan. Like you said, keeping the hope alive. And there's a beauty to tonight, right? You know, if they win, all of a sudden you kind of head into the holiday season with a lot more hope than you did before you were getting ready for it. If they lose, well, I guess that kind of takes us out of the idea of are we in, are we out? You kind of say, okay, you're ready for next season. So, I think we're going to get some clarity here one way or another, which is fantastic. We will. Back on September 18th, the two teams met in the Superdome. It was a three-zip halftime game. The Buccaneers went on to win it 20-10. to 10. I just, What do you remember the most about that game? I think there's two things that I remember the most from that game. I would say the first thing was that the defense just really just kept Tom Brady and the rest of that offense at bay for most of the game. And, and if you look back at that one, think about the first half first half they were spoilers through three quarters they only had three points it wasn't until the Marshawn Lattimore ejection that things kind of turned a little bit and then on top of that the the Winston interceptions late in the game he ended up finishing that game with three picks so uh, that's one observation the, the way the defense played against Brady you know if you go into this one you could say okay well the Saints defense hasn't been as dominant this year as it was last year 
okay, but I'm at the point where I need to see Tom Brady have a big game against the Saints defense for me to feel like, okay, they don't have his number anymore. So I'm going into this one thinking the defense will be able to do its thing again. And the second thing that I'm going into this one looking at, last time around, Chris Olave had 13 targets, ended up only having five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. A lot of opportunities deep. Saints just couldn't connect. This week, you're going up against a Bucks team that could be without its two starting safeties. If Chris Olave is open again and they can connect on those, I think they'll really open up an offense that's been struggling. Health-wise, how do the Saints – how are the Saints going into this one? I mean, you know, health-wise, they're getting a lot better than they were a couple of weeks ago, right? We're at the point where people are waiting to see if Lattimore and Pete Werner will play. There's really been no indication that they're definitely going to play, so we'll see what happens. If either one of them does join the field, that's obviously great news for the Saints. They'd love to have Lattimore out there. And, you know, whether it's 15 snaps, maybe 10 snaps, whatever it could be, one-on-one situations with Mike Evans, that would be a huge plus for them. Uh, as for Pete Werner, would love to have him out there. If not, you got to kind of expect Caden Ellis to do what he's been doing at that linebacker spot. He's been fantastic. But overall, Saints are actually, I'm not going to say the healthier team going into this one, but the Bucks have just as many question marks for the Saints. You know, a lot of the Saints injuries right now, guys like Contavious Street, He's questionable. Guys like Kevin White, he's questionable. I think guys like that, look, I, I expect them to play anyway, but even if they were to miss it, I don't know if you're going to look back in this game and be like, oh, man, you know, if the Saints had Kevin White, things would have played out different. So I think they're going to have a lot of their impact players in there, which is great. Uh, can't necessarily say the same for the Bucks right now, though. Down their top offensive tackle, probably down their two starting safeties, and maybe down their slot corner. So that's going to be fascinating to see if the Saints offensively can get something going against the banged-up Bucks defense. He is Chris Rose for Glue tonight, Monday Night Football. Um, and, you know, every every game's different. Um, back then, that was week two of the regular season. And uh, three Jameis Winston interceptions, two fumbles, also five turnovers, as you mentioned, to only one for Tampa. Uh, how the Saints were that close. It was three to three after three. And uh, the Bucks scored 17 in the fourth to seven for the Saints. But those five turnovers. What Other than that game, uh, the Saints have kind of owned Tom Brady in the regular season. Why? What is it the Saints do that gives Tampa Bay so much trouble? And can they duplicate that again? You know, the, the, the main thing for the Saints is getting pressure without having a blitz against Tom Brady. You don't really want to blitz against Tom. You want to use your four rushers. In some cases, there were scenarios. You look back at the 38-3 to victory that the Saints had two years ago or even the 9 nothing win from last year. They were getting pressure with three. So when they get pressure with three or get pressure with four and they don't have to send that extra rusher, Saints have the talent, or at least had the talent in the secondary the last couple of years, where if they're dropping everyone back, it's very hard for Brady to find an open man, and that open opportunities for guys like Marcus Williams, guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, for them to make big plays. Now, they're not there anymore, but you look back at the Week 2 matchup between these two teams, the one thing the Saints did extremely well was early on in the game, they wiped out the run for the Buccaneers. Fournette had less than three yards per carry. And because of that, the, the Bucks had to be one-dimensional, and the Saints knew that, and it makes it a little bit easier to operate. So two things the Saints have done, making the Bucks one-dimensional and stopping the run, which I do believe they could end up doing uh, this Monday night. You know, you think about the Saints' run defense. It hasn't been particularly great this season, but you go back to what they did against the Niners last week, McCaffrey had 2.9 yards per carry. That's a great sign that the Saints are making progress in that category. So if they could do that tonight, make them one-dimensional, that'd be huge. And then the front four, which really got pressure against Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they have to do more of the same. So I think it's going to be a lot about winning in the trenches 
And right now, the Saints, for the first time in a long time, they're kind of healthy in that front seven outside of Pete Werner. So I expect them to do more of the same. I really do think the defense will have another good night. Boy, it sure would be nice if um, Alvin Kamara could um, could have one of those breakout kind of a games. Um, they they got to figure out a way to get him the ball in space. And, and maybe it's not so much running between the tackles. Maybe it's sweeps to the outside. Maybe it's uh, screen passes. But they got to get him involved offensively, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think the most frustrating part about it is you can look around the league and you start watching all these top running backs and what they're doing. And I'm seeing the Cowboys getting Tony Pollard out in space and making plays. I'm watching, you know, yesterday, 49ers, Dolphins, Christian McCaffrey had eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And I'm like, I'm not saying the Saints need to get that stat line, but Alvin Kamara is such a unique playmaker. And whatever happened to all the wheel routes, all the option routes that he was yeah. so dangerous, uh, dangerous with early in his career, especially with Drew Brees and I know Drew Brees isn't here anymore, but the whole idea of Alvin Kamara being matched up against a linebacker or a safety and having the option to either cut that route in or break it off to the outside, that makes him a lethal player. And I think for him, the one thing I could say about Alvin Kamara throughout his Saints career, I feel like after every maybe bad game or uncharacteristic game, I should say, he's come out and, and he's really responded. And I expect him to do that tonight. And I know the Bucks for the most part in his career, in terms of yards per touch, have done a good job of limiting him relative to other teams. I do think this is a night where they have to get him involved early and often, make sure he's engaged. Yeah. I feel like that fumble against the 49ers happened so early, it's easy for that to frustrate him a little bit, kind of take his head out. Uh, and I think for the Saints tonight, especially early in this game, like you said, it could be a screen pass. I mean, where has the screen game been? We haven't seen that in a while. So whether it's a screen pass, uh, a wheel route, something to get Kamara in space. It's an easy throw for Andy Dalton, and it's also a good way of keeping your playmaker engaged. I'm with you. I mean, you got to get him involved. You got you got to get him engaged, like you said, engaged early, and, and then you're you're good to go. Can't turn the ball over. Maybe the Saints can create a turnover or two along the lines, and that would be such a great formula. And like actually, like you said, heading to the holidays, but heading to your bye week. If you get a win, heading into your your bye week, man, how, how great would that be? And then you get to see how everybody else fares while you're off, and then you see the stretch run. Yes, you got to go to Cleveland. You got to go to Philly, and that. That's uh, that's ugh, difficult in and of itself, um, but still, you're you're hanging in there. That's all you can ask for right now on what has been a very very dismal year to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've been saying it throughout the season. I feel like it comes you know more more and more true as the, the weeks go on. But at this point, doesn't it feel like eight and nine probably locks up the NFC South? And if you're Heck looking yeah. at the Saints' schedule yes. and, and you look around. Falcons are five and eight. The Bucks are five and six. We'll see what happens tonight. Panthers four and eight. Kind of seems like they're looking towards next year anyway. If you look at the Saints' schedule, if they were to win tonight, I agree. I think the Eagles game that's a tough one. But if you can beat the Falcons at home, coming off a bye, there, that would be a great opportunity there. I still believe, you know, especially after watching yesterday's game, as tough as the Browns game may look, I think Deshaun Watson's going to be rusty for at least the next couple of games. It just makes too much sense. He's he's been out of football for two whole years. So it's going to take him some time. That is absolutely a winnable game. And then you finish the season at home against Carolina. Can the Saints over the next five games, can they go 4-1? and one? That's tough. Don't get me wrong. But if they were to beat the Bucks, and that could all of a sudden change the mentality in the locker room, it gives you something to look forward to. And you talked about if they win and they go into the bye week. Well, if they win tonight, 
They would have the same amount of wins as the Falcons and Bucks, who are t- would be tied for first place, which would be great for the Saints. But you look around the league, the Bucks next week, albeit no Jimmy Garoppolo, are playing against the 49ers defense that's number one in most metrics in the league. And after that, they got to play Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So they have a tough stretch coming up on their schedule. So I think for them, yeah, absolutely. If they were to win and go into the bye, it gives you a lot more hope than you thought you'd have. And, and, and hopefully that's the case for this team. You're the greatest. Chris Rosenblum, thank you so much. Uh, give me a prediction. So honestly, I'm going into this one. I, I, I want to say Saints. My heart keeps telling me Saints. And I actually think that the Saints are playing better football right now, which sounds crazy because they just got shut out last week against the 49ers. But what they've done defensively over the last couple of games, I think they're making strides there. I just have this fear that this game ends up finishing, you know, 17-13 because the offense just couldn't generate enough points. And that's my concern. But uh, I'll go optimistic. I'll try and say the, the, the streak ends today, and I'll, I'll take the Saints. I'll go with my heart, even though my, my head keeps telling me Tom Brady will make one play too many. I'm going to go Saints. I think the Bucks are in a problem right now. I'll go 17-13 New Orleans. Love it. Chris, I hope you are prophetic. Thank you so much, as always. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Sounds great. Thank you for having me, Jordy. Take care. Chris Rose for glue with us. Uh, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armator Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armator Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout. Glenn West joins us next here on The Jordy Heldberg Show. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of The Jordy Heldberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back and better than ever. And it's time to talk a little bit uh, of LSU football. Tigers coming off a 50-30 to loss to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Boy, it didn't start off that way, but a couple of plays here and there, and it, it was all she wrote. Glenn West, kind enough to join us as he does each and every day. Go 247 Sports. Glenn, good day, sir. How are you? Hey, Jordy, doing well, just hanging by the computer, uh, as I will be probably for much of the next couple of weeks. But uh, I'm sure we'll get the portal that. yet. Anybody from LSU in the portal? Uh, nobody from this year's roster. Uh, Antoine yeah. Sampa and Philip Webb, a couple of guys that were on the roster in previous years and who left the program before this season. Uh, those guys are in, um, but don't have any updates yet on some of the guys that, who were a part of this team. Is there a... Um... Is there a deadline for players that want to opt out? Like, let's say whoever from LSU says, you know what? Uh, Kayshawn Booty says, I- I'm-, I'm ready to go and get ready for the NFL draft. I don't want to play in this game. It's not going to do me any good. Is there a deadline on something like that? There's there no, there's no real deadline for guys that want to announce that they're just leaving and, and okay. you know, going to start preparing for the NFL. Uh, those are conversations that Coach Kelly's had with those players. So I would imagine we start learning things this week uh, about who's going to be playing in this game, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to move on to the next level, who's going to be in the portal. Uh, so all that stuff is going to become, I think, pretty clear uh, throughout the next week or two. 
So all you people that like to make investments in games, don't make an investment just yet because you don't know who's going to be playing. So how do they come up with these lines? And all? I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. Um, can you sum up that SEC championship game for me? Yeah, I mean, I think coming in, the, the biggest thing was LSU needed to be the team to make those uh, bizarre, wonky kind of game-changing plays, you know, whether it's the blocked field goal return for a touchdown or uh, you know, not not converting on that fourth and one was a huge play. Uh, the, the interception off the helmet was another play. I mean, just uh, there were there were a couple plays that I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there where it really just boiled down to – Georgia coming away with those plays and, yeah. and being able to capitalize and LSU just being in too big a hole uh, to really overcome that. I thought Georgia really controlled the game offensively after the first quarter. And if LSU really wanted to make it a game, they would have had to have matched them. And, you know, the, the early the early swings in that game just weren't in LSU's favor. And Georgia was able to capitalize on all that momentum. Brian Polian's a friend of mine, but I got to believe he's done his last gig as the special teams coordinator. He'll be involved in recruiting. He'll be doing something. Else. They, they got to make a change there. They've got to. It'll be interesting. I mean, uh, I, you know, not going to come on here and clamor for anyone's job, but, you know, just like I, I think there needs to be some reorganizing there. I think he's mm -hmm. a guy that Coach Kelly really trusts in the recruiting uh -huh. world. Yeah. Um, you talk to a bunch of recruits and a bunch of coaches. Uh, he's really well respected in that regard from the recruiting perspective. So would probably really love to retain him, but uh, might need a, to bring in an extra coach here to, to coach up special teams because uh, that was a consistent theme from game one to game 13. You know, it was really the, the, the plays of those, both of those games came down to, you know, a field goal getting blocked and return for a touchdown in one case and a game ender in the other. So uh, kind of, <laughs> poetic on how that it really even went for strip how you started team. and how you ended it's really really kind of prophetic so that play the the bad bounce on a forced pass that bounced off of jack besh's helmet and then I, i've never understood on fourth and goal why you don't put your quarterback if you're going to hand it off why don't you put your quarterback under center it, it makes for a shorter run i hate runs up the middle anyway but if you're going to do it i don't understand why you do it out of a shotgun situation and josh williams just was held up short and that's oh. all she wrote yeah, uh, Coach Kelly was actually asked about this on Sunday when he was kind of doing his little spiel before the for, for getting the, the the Citrus Bowl announcement. And essentially, he said that you know, the reason they didn't do like a QB sneak there is because Jaden's a quarterback who had been hurt. Uh, or or yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was actually Nussmeyer, I think, who was right. in at that point. Nussmeyer, so, in. Um, Nussmeyer was a guy who has never had uh, that opportunity, really. That It's not something that they practiced the whole time with Nussmeyer <sighs> and the QB sneaks for one yard. So uh, they just felt like getting the ball into the running back's hand was a play there. Now, you could have done that out of the, you know, anything but the spread. You could have gone I formation and gone right. really old school and right. – it through but um yeah i mean it was just a you know it was a play that you know hindsight 2020 you don't you 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 wish you could have back but you know else you couldn't and you know that's just kind of the way the game falls sometimes uh i thought while he was in there i thought Jaden daniels was good 16 of 24 208 yards a touchdown he had that bizarre interception it was obvious he wasn't able to to run like he normally does which take which really limits and takes away from what makes him so darn effective then he got you know he re-injured the ankle and that was that so i thought he was good i mean they threw the ball all over the darn yard he and nussmeyer 
Yeah, they combined to go for like 502 yards, which is actually an SEC championship record. So, uh, yeah, they were passing the ball at will. But I remember talking with you last week about this, and uh, I I mentioned the biggest X factor being Jaden Daniels' mobility and would he be able to move around on that ankle uh, like he has all year. And, you know, pretty early on, even before he re-injured it, you could tell they were being really conservative with him. And unless it was a – uh, really wide open lane that he could really take advantage of and get down, uh, get downhill. He he was not taken off in that game. You could tell he was being a little bit more conservative because it, that ankle was in danger of getting injured again. And that's kind of what happened to him in that second quarter range. And he gutted it out there for the first half, really impressed with, you know, that toughness that he showed, but uh, obviously you could tell he was not a hundred percent for the final couple minutes there, that second quarter. And Nussmeyer came in and did what Nussmeyer does. He's a, he's a, he'll sling it all over the field. And uh, you could tell the receivers really love, <laughs> really love when he's in the game. Cause they're yeah. going to, he's going to give them opportunities to make plays, but he's also going to give uh, defenses opportunity to make plays. So that's kind of the, the catch 22 you're getting with Garrett right now. And so I think the biggest thing here is, you know, does he come back and does he, uh, continue to hone in on those uh, kind of wild tendencies he has as a quarterback because he's right. really, really talented, got a really talented arm. If, I mean, look, there's a lot of schools that saw that and saw oh, yeah. what the second half against the number one ranked team in the country. If Jaden Daniels comes back, there's going to be a lot of clamoring for a Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, and I wouldn't blame the kid at all if he said, okay, I've done it and um i'll move on um what do you think the possibilities of that are i think it's in the realm of possibility for sure um you know he's now been here two years and hasn't had a whole ton of on-field playing experience that sec championship game was a great way to get his some game tape out on him for other teams to really see what he's like in those uh tighter situations and those high pressure situations and uh, you, you can see, I mean, the talent's there on film. I mean, he's got the arm. He's got the talent to be a really, really strong uh, college quarterback. Um, but it's a numbers game right now with LSU. I think they're probably the deepest quarterback room, their most uh, solid uh, ground that the quarterback room has been in in years. Um, and it's, it's going to come down to what the pitch is from Coach Kelly if he comes back mm-hmm. or not and just what his role looks like because – you're right. If Daniels comes back another year, now you're looking at three years potentially on the bench. And yeah. this is a former top 100 player, a guy who really is expected to be a, a high end kind of quarterback in college. And uh, your patience wears thin eventually. Right. I don't think anybody can be Miles Brennan. So oh uh, my gosh. you've got to you've got to you got to kind of expect the worst and hope I'm with hope you. For the best. He is Glenn West, go to four seven sports. All right, you're in the marketing world now. You're the head of marketing for my company. Sell me on the merits of LSU versus Purdue in the Citrus Bowl, January 2nd at noon our time in Orlando's Camping World Stadium, which just so happens to be LSU will end this season at Camping World Stadium. They'll open up next season at Camping World Stadium in the rematch with Florida State. Okay, give me your sales pitch. Uh, I don't know that I can. It's about cheese it's or whatever. I I I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can sell you on the game itself. What I can sell you on is that this is going to be a really important 
uh, next several weeks internally for this team because they're going to get a great look at some young players on this roster. Um, a lot of guys are going to be moving on, uh, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through the portal. And so uh, your numbers are probably going to be a little bit thin. And this is not an LSU team that really came in with a whole lot of depth at a lot of positions. So uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for LSU over the next couple of weeks in practice to see uh, what the development of a Walker Howard or a Quincy Wiggins or any any number of these young guys that you have in, in the secondary, like with Terrence Welch, uh, you know, just uh, a really big opportunity for for some of the young freshmen and sophomores on the team who maybe didn't get an opportunity to play much on the field. They're going to get extended looks. And, you know, right now, Nussmeyer's in that number two, uh, Walker Howard we just mentioned. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how – you know, player development plays into the next month or so. And yeah. leading up to this game, you know, LSU is going to play it really safe with Jaden Daniels ankle. It sounds right. like he's not even going to take practice snaps for at least another week to 10 days. And that's right. a smart move. Absolutely. Yeah. You do that. So uh, it's going to be a, a really good opportunity for, for, for a lot of this young talent to really show what kind of development they've made during the season. Awesome. Um, yeah, they get 15 practices and they can do whatever they want, however they want to do it. Um, I noticed where Anthony Richardson of the Florida Gators said goodbye to Gainesville. He's going to go and, uh, try his luck in the NFL draft. So they're looking for a quarterback. It's a, it's, it's a wild, wild West. I hate to use that old Glenn West uh, phrase, but that's what college football is now with this portal and who knows, right? I've, I've seen quarterbacks leave and they've already replaced him with one with another quarterback from the portal so, so it's crazy so that's that's the interesting thing here about nussmeyer i mean the the clemson quarterback the former five-star dj i can't pronounce lately i called him i just called lately yeah. <laughs> yeah he's in the portal now too so he's going to probably have a lot of suitors and really the quarterback market in the portal right now it's it's really stacked and there's a lot of guys a lot of names in there and so does it uh, does it behoove a guy like Nussmeyer who's maybe on the fence to stick it out through spring? And if you can't see that there's a clear op a clear path towards playing time for you at LSU, do you maybe hop in the portal in the second uh, transfer window? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's always an option in, in May for him to hop in then. then. So uh, you, you, there, there's really any number of ways this can go. And so, uh, I mean, Joe Burrow did it at Ohio State, and, and look what happened here when he got down here. So – um, you know, there's 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 a lot of different options at play for LSU's quarterback room, but I think whether it's Daniels that comes back, whether he leaves and it's Nussmeyer, Howard, uh, Ricky Collins, I, I think this is going to be a really uh, really comfortable quarterback room for LSU for 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 many years to come. Brian Kelly said it doesn't take away these back-to-back -back losses, although painful, especially the A&M loss. I mean, you, you, you got to understand, George is a different beast. Uh, the A&M loss, yeah, that's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. But um, when you look at the whole entirety of the picture, uh, nine wins pretty good. But I tell you what, going to the offseason, 10-4, and four, a lot more uh, palatable than to say you lost three in a row and you're nine and five. So they should be up and ready to go for this thing. Yeah. I mean, you want to end off on a positive note. And that was one of the, uh, as you mentioned, coach Kelly's final, uh, quotes to, to us yesterday, um, in talking <laughs> with him, they, they, they want to finish this thing outright. And it, cause it has been such a, uh, successful first year in many ways, you know, getting to that nine win threshold, uh, not many people. I mean, if you look at the Vegas odds, they didn't expect them to get to seven. So um, to get to nine wins, to beat Alabama at home, that was a huge crucial moment, I think, for the program that you can 
win big games under Coach Kelly here, and um, you just got to turn in turn in some more consistency. I think down the stretch, this was a a defense that was worn a little thin. Um, the the offense was really inconsistent over the last month or so. Um, and you know they just kind of ran out of steam, and that that, yeah. that can happen in a first year rebuild with with guys that are playing with one another for the first time. And so, look, I think you take the the good with the bad, and you try to operate with um, some perspective on how good a first year this was. And so, you, you rebuild through freshmen, you you kind of tinker around the edges with the transfer portal, and uh, see what you can come up with for next year. But I think LSU's in a really good spot. He is Glenn West. Let's um. LSU basketball men uh, struggling to score. They don't. They don't, it's not like what we've seen in the past. Um, what was the, What's been their best win so far? I can't even. I, I can't even fathom because they really haven't played uh, anybody. Yeah, I mean, best win. I would probably uh, say one of the wins that they got in the Caymans. Um, yeah. You know, they look. I think this team right now. It's. It's. Uh, it's it's just not as consistent as you would like to see. Um, you know, there's just there's just been a lot of uh, inconsistency with how they played. Uh, Illinois State, I would say, is probably their best win. They got a big win over Illinois State, and then Akron was another win. But I mean, these are not you know, programs where you look at and say, "Oh man, LSU beat them by 15 points." Wow, that's a that's a huge huge benchmark for this team. I mean, it's just. It's kind of where they're at right now. They just don't have a really great win. They're they're slugging out a lot of these wins late uh, against the Waffords and the UT Arlingtons of the world. So um, they they've got a lot of uh, a lot of improvement to make. I, I'm still really skeptical on kind of their inefficiency from two point range. They've been yeah. a pretty good three point shooting team, yeah. but their offense just looks hard. I mean, it's and it's just yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a struggle each time down the floor. It's not flowing. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And so this is going to be a team that has to cut its teeth on on defense. They've been a pretty consistent defensive group uh, for most of the season, really good on the perimeter, uh, which which honestly is probably the hardest part of, of college basketball is playing consistent defense, but they've, they've been able to do it. And so now you just got to try to figure out what to do offensively, how to get guys into their best spots and <laughs> – uh, you know, they don't play for a little while. They got UT Arling. I mean, they got uh, Wake Forest here on the 10th. Um, that's going to be at the Holiday Hoops Giving uh, mm-hmm. Classic in Atlanta. So that's going to be a neutral site game. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I think there's 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 room for lots of room for improvement offensively. But uh, you just got to start putting it together. I don't see Tim Duncan nor Chris Paul coming out of the Demon Dinkins locker room uh, so. <laughs> later on this month, so that that's a good thing. But uh, but anyway, all right, Glenn, are you going to make the trip to uh, Orlando? I uh, I still have to see. I'm not entirely sure yet. I'll, yeah. I'll get with the the higher ups here uh, pretty soon, but uh, we'll 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 hash all that out for certain. I, I'm going to be pretty glued to my computer for the next couple of weeks, so looking at the portal stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that'll gonna, be, yeah. be interesting. That's a. I'm sorry to say this. Nothing against it, but that's a tough sale for me. Uh, <laughs> Purdue in Orlando, January second. That's just tough. But hey, LSU fans are LSU fans. They'll they'll go everywhere and anywhere just to see the Tigers play. Ten wins. That's something to hang your hat on. So should be plenty plenty motivation. The big question, as we mentioned, who's going to play and who's not going to play. And until we know that. 
We don't know much at all. But Glenn, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great uh, have a great rest of your week, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Glenn West to go to four seven sports. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the game club us at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Take our final time out of our number one. We'll be right back. The Jordy Hilpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps you out around the house. It also allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know they can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Coming up, our number two, Pels are red hot. Number two in the Western Division. We'll talk about the whys and the who of that and we'll talk more lsu football with blake Rafino of the are you serious podcast our number two the jordy helpert show 1037 the game 1041 the game right here coming your way after the top of the hour sports update james mesh taking a break one hour down one to go here on the jordy helpert show Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Monday, December 5th. Don't forget the Saints are in Tampa Bay tonight to take on the Bucks. You uh, Can the black and gold pull out a win? It's a very, very important May game and a great opportunity for them. Turn into the game tonight to find out. Pre-game begins at 7, kickoff at 7.15. That's Monday Night Football right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So while the Saints leave the Super dome and head to tampa across the street at the smoothie king center man the new orleans pelicans are playing some really really good basketball they just beat a really good denver nugget team rather convincingly yesterday uh, to improve to 15 and 8 overall just one game behind the phoenix suns in the western conference lead 23 games in it's a pretty good sample size what are these pels all about christian clark sees them on a nightly basis for um, his job with um, NOLA.com and he's kind enough to join us today. Christian, isn't it fun to finally be covering a team that's that's pretty darn good? Well, I, I thought there was a chance this is what it might be when I signed up for it. I just didn't know that it would <laughs> take um, 
you know, I guess this amount of time, you know, Brandon Ingram has missed some games this season. They're six yeah. and two. They've been able to win. Zion Williamson has missed some time. They've been able to win. Herb Jones has missed some time. They've been able to win. They just have, you know, this really good roster, one through 12, one through 15. You know, they can play a lot of different ways. Um, there's incredible depth. I mean, they're, they're pretty legit, I think. I think they are. I, I really do. Um, it, it was so great. Uh, the big story of yesterday's uh, win over the Denver Nuggets, I think it was 121 to 105, something like that. A very convincing win against a very, very good team with a superstar in uh, Jokic playing for them. It was Jose Alvarado, a 38-point uh, a performance. He leaves the court. Jose, 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 Jose. That's so cool. Uh, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy and a more deserving guy. But thirty-eight? Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, it was it was completely absurd. His his career high before last night was was twenty-three points. I think his season high was fifteen. He never eclipsed thirty points in in four years at Georgia Tech. You yeah. know, had a had a great career there. Um, I mean, it was it was pretty surreal watching that game. Um, you know, eight three pointers. The most he'd hit in the game before that was four. I know working on the three-point shot was a big point of emphasis for him during the offseason. You know, as, as impactful as he was last season, he's about a 30% three-point shooter. So I think he recognized, look, I'm coming back to be a role player next to, next to Zion, next to Brandon Ingram. They're going to need me to space the floor. And I think, you know, that, that work he put in is, is paying dividends. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still shocked, honestly. I can't believe I watched a game where Jose Alvarado hit eight threes. And think about it. Um, if if Kyra Lewis Jr., who was a lottery pick, hadn't suffered a serious knee injury, you know, when play when teams draft these p- players up high, they give them uh, all the time in the world to grow and develop, and they give them chance after chance because they don't want to look bad for drafting a guy that maybe can't play. And I don't know if Kyra Lewis can play or not, but he's been hurt, so he hasn't been available. With him not available. Alvarado has a chance, undrafted out of Georgia Tech, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, my gosh, what an opportunity for him. And just like a cult hero, too. I mean, when he checked into the game yesterday, before he'd done anything, people were going crazy. I mean, it's it's kind of unbelievable that in about a year, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't even in the rotation at this time last year. You know, he'd played some games with the Birmingham Squadron, but he wasn't even on Pelicans fans' radar. He's, he's done this in a year. Um, it's it, it's pretty incredible, and you're right. I mean, who knows if he even really gets this opportunity if, if Carl Lewis Jr. doesn't go down. Um, I mean, his, like, Devontae Graham still plays, and, you know, Devontae Graham has, has helped him in spots this year, but, but Jose is, you know, effectively their number one backup point guard. Um, so, you know, Jose has kind of passed both those guys that's, it's insane what he's doing. Um, I mean, it's it's so hard for guys like who are below six feet to to make an impact, positive impact, night in and night out. Yeah. You know, he's doing that in his second year as an undrafted guy. 
It's amazing. Uh, Zion Williamson um, with uh, Brandon Ingram out. Um, you know, he's uh, he's doing his thing. He played 35 minutes yesterday in the 121-106 win over Denver, the fourth straight win uh, by the Pels, who are now 15-8. and eight. How have you seen his game now? It seemed a little rusty early on. It's still trying to find his way. Where is he now, and, and how – how much further growth does he have in him from a from a basketball player perspective? These last five games have been apex predator Zion Williamson to me. You know, a guy who could be the best player in a team that that wins around multiple rounds in the playoffs. Okay, um, you know, we, we saw even during like the Stan Van Gundy year. Okay, like this guy, even if he's a little overweight, is can be an incredible. On offense, like he can be the offensive engine for a team that, that scores a lot, scores efficiently. I mean, I think we knew he could do that. To me, the difference has been like he he's making an impact on defense. You know, in these these last four or five games. I mean, I thought one of the sequences of the game yesterday was was when Chanchar drove and pump faked and Zion pinched in from the corner, blocked that shot that Dyson Daniels picked up and laid it up. Like it's those explosive defensive plays. And him just being solid and, and moving his feet in space and not getting roasted, like that's been the difference to me, you know, lately. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Clark, NOLA.com, dot uh, com, talking New Orleans Pelicans. I, I thought uh, the emergence of Trey Murphy. I thought how he grew and how he developed would be pivotal for this club. Um, and guy looks like he's a confident shooter. You know, he had 12 points last night. That's kind of low for him of late. But on four of eight shooting, one for three from downtown, a perfect three for three from the free throw line, um, defending. And he's not just a spot-up shooter anymore, is he, Christian? He's he's putting the ball in the deck and taking the ball to the rim. I mean, he, he, he honestly could – I don't know if he'd win it but he could put on, you know, an entertaining show in the slam dunk contest if, if he was in it. I mean, he's <laughs> six foot nine, you know, knocking on the door, six foot ten, really bouncy. He's long. Um, I mean, did you see how far out he was when he, when he dunked that one yesterday yes. against San Antonio? Yes. I mean, he was like a yes. step inside the free throw line, basically, when he, when he hit that one. Um, <laughs> it was pretty crazy, man. I mean, He's he's so well suited to play with Zion too. I mean, I think that's been kind of a blessing in disguise in the past few games with Ingram out. Trey and yeah. Zion are starting and playing a lot next to each other, and those guys are you know like they're peanut butter and jelly on the offensive end. Zion is this great driving kick player, and and Trey Murphy is this you know, elite catch and shoot three point shooter. And when defenses are are closing hard at them now. You know, he's got the skill to take one, two dribbles and, and finish at the rim. It's it's kind of, I mean, I've never talked about this much depth, but I'm starting to believe, I mean, Herb Jones, look out because I know he's a good defender, but, man, in this league, you got to be able to score and score handily. I mean, Murphy might be a better fit in that line. I mean, I could see Ingram, Williamson, Murphy, um, McCollum, Alvarado. That's a pretty formidable five on the floor. I really believe that. Look, I I think you might be onto something. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see if, you know, if Herb is able to come back Wednesday against Detroit. 
what does he do with that starting lineup? Um, I mean, you're you're definitely giving up something on on defense, but you're going to be you know so dynamic offensively. It's like, well, in the aggregate, are they better off doing this and just leaning more into the offense? Um, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a huge Herb Jones fan. I think he's an incredible player. He's like a great teammate. But like, I I think there's at least a discussion to be had of, about what you're saying for sure. Yeah. Um, are you at all concerned? I know he's coming off of COVID, but CJ uh, McCollum hasn't shot the ball really well all season long. Yesterday, three of eleven, zero for two from downtown. He he does a lot of other things, but um, shooting wise, he he really hasn't been on target. And yet the Pels keep winning, which is a which is a quite a positive. Yeah, we've we've seen. Uh... I think, you know, how how good CJ can be with the Pelicans, you know, last year when he came over in those 25 games before the playoffs. I mean, you know, that was about as good a ball as you're going to see from CJ. And I think I've seen we've seen about how bad he can be at the start of this season, too. I mean, yeah. he had a, a viral infection at first, and then he had COVID. Um, you know, I think the CJ, like we're going to see throughout the course of his, his career in New Orleans, is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been a little bit rough. I mean, I I, I think he's going to be fine though. Like I think okay. yeah, I they've got to continue to play through Zion. You know, make like make him you know kind of the primary offensive engine of this team. And it, you know, we we did see that against Denver. I hope we can continue to see that moving forward. But I mean, look, he's got like a eight and a half year track record. All right. No, there's no doubt. I I, I have no problem with him. Uh, finding his shooting touch yet again. There's one player I'm just curious as to your thoughts on, and that's Jackson Hayes, who who had that spurt at the end of last season where he was so valuable, and then this year, he it's DNPCD, DNBCD, week, day after day, week after week, it seems like. What's going on with Jackson Hayes? I mean, yeah, the, the biggest thing is that he's a starting power forward this year, and their starting power forward this year is a, a guy named Zion Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough sledding when you have a uh, generational right. talent who plays your position. Um, I mean, I think when the Pelicans drafted Jackson, they thought he's a center. I think they figured out last year his best position is is power forward, and there aren't minutes for for him when they're when you've got Zion. You know, when you've got Larry Nance Jr. is it, is a really good option as kind of your your backup five when you want to switch everything. Um, I mean, I think like they would like they would have liked Jackson to become give them what kind of the things that Larry could do now. You know, like mm-hmm. if he could be that really good backup five. Like I look at like Brandon Clark in Memphis, right? Like him and Larry right. Junior play right. kind of similar roles. Like Jackson just can't do that because he's he's not good enough on defense as as an anchor. Um, you know, extremely talented. It's tough for him, you know, with, with Zion back this year. I mean, I, I would be interested to see what he looks like on, you know, a different team. I mean, yeah. you know, he's definitely like a guy to, to watch, you know, as we get closer right. towards this trade deadline in February. And I would think, um, I would think Devontae Graham is a possibility as well in that. Do you think there is a value of the two of them for somebody? And then, and if so, look, this team has great chemistry. They've got balance. They've got a superstar and they've got some other really 
really, really close to superstar status type play. So they got a lot of things in the right direction, and you don't want to mess with chemistry. But if you could pick a certain type of a player that this team needs to maybe elevate themselves into the upper, upper echelon, what type of player would that be? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of – I mean, they already have so many needs filled. Um, right. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, if like a – I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to speculate on it. But like if a, a Miles Turner became available, and right now it doesn't look like he'd become available, and he would like take a favorable extension, like maybe you look at that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean – like yeah, I, I just think I think Devonte and Jackson are two of those names to watch as, as February gets a little bit closer. But this team was, is pretty I much wasn't that. Like, it's, it's more about like specific... they have like the talent to do it. You know, it's, yeah. it's more so just like how does it come together? Yeah, I wasn't talking about a specific player. I was talking about a type of a player, a wing defender. Do they need another outside shooter? Do they need another ball handler? Do they need another? Um, uh, power forward, rebounding kind of a guy. What, what what do you think would make them best? Uh man. I mean, probably like another. I don't know. Shooter who can play on the wing. I mean, shooters to okay. me are like pass rushers. You can never have enough of them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. still maybe a little bit short there, but like, man, th- there's already so much talent on this team. It's 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 pretty wild, especially <laughs> considering the state of the roster even two years ago. Right. Wow. Well, we'll find out a little bit more. It'll be very interesting. Two more uh, home matchups coming up Wednesday night. The Pistons come to town. And then Friday night, you got a matchup with the Phoenix Suns, which will uh, uh, be. And it's a weird kind of a schedule. Is that right? They play the Suns at home on Friday and then the Suns again at home on Sunday. It's like a playoff game. Yeah, you got it. They, I don't know, like two, three years ago, they they kind of started doing more of these like baseball type series. Uh, I kind of like it, and then they're going to go to Phoenix the following week for an away game too. Yeah, interesting. Uh, saves on travel expenses and saves on players' legs, and so I'm all for it. Um, but man, we we, we play the Suns uh, the ninth, the eleventh, the seventeenth. So we'll we'll see. Um, those are those are the kind of teams that the good thing about this Pelicans squad is they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and we never used to be able to say that they would play up against a really good team every now and then. And then with the bottom feeders, they get beat, but they're taking care of business now. Yeah. Sign of, sign of a good team. It's a, uh, it's a new day. (laughs) Really is. It's, I mean, it's like, it's fun to last year at this time was like, Oh my God, let's get this season over. And literally we know they would turn it around quite like they did, but what a difference a year makes. And as you said, this was kind of what was, hopefully anticipated uh and it's come to fruition so should beat the pistons on wednesday night if they play their best and you play your best pelicans are the better team they should win but the nba is tough man so so we shall see christian clark nola.com i'm so happy for you that you're getting to cover a team that's winning games man that's that's fun because it's a long long grind and you do a terrific job so thank you so much hey thanks so much Charlie.
No, buddy, you take care. Christian Clark, NOLA.com, with the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Uh, maybe some more sound from uh, the Raging Cajuns as we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. We're back 322 in the afternoon on this Monday, uh, December the 5th. We talked about, we'll continue talking about LSU as they get ready for their Citrus Bowl matchup. Everybody watching the uh, transfer portal for all these college football teams. The Raging Cajuns um, are going to be uh, playing in Shreveport. And um, wow, it's a great opportunity. Six and six. uh, Big time win against Texas State to get there. Um, We've got some sound uh we heard earlier from coach desimo james we got uh, some other sound i want to get to here with coach des um and he talked about um december 23rd um it, it comes early i don't know how they're going you know uh that's that's 18 days from today. They got to fit in as many practices as they can, and they still got to go out and recruiting. So December 23rd, Coach Des, is that uh, date beneficial for your recruiting process? In my mind, yeah. Um, you know, recruiting's already started this past weekend. You know, with contact period opening back up, um, that gives you three weekends, you know, for official visits. That gives you two full weeks for recruiting on the road, um, coaches, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it could have worked out a whole lot better. I mean, we're excited. I mean, the venue, you know, the bowl game itself, you know, being in state, the fact that it is the 23rd, um, it's still before Christmas for our players, you know, all those things. I, th- I just think it worked out really, really favorably for us. And I, I'm, like I said, I couldn't be more excited about the opportunity, but even just the circumstances and the way things kind of set up leading up to it, I, I think it's nothing but good. Not that far for Houston. It's not that far for um, UL. So I would expect a holiday season. And uh, the 23rd is on a Friday, I believe. Um, yeah, it's on a Friday. So take a day off, make the drive, go watch your team play. It's at, uh, It's an early game. I believe. So um, go from there. Uh, Coach Des talked about um, ending uh, the season in the way that they did, not only in the regular season, but you'd like to win a bowl game and, and get to seven and six. How would that feel, Coach Des? Well, that means everything to us. That was what we, you know, the beginning of the year, we said our goal was to to be champions, you know, and uh Certainly, you know, a bowl championship is something to be proud of. And so for us, you know, we had to shift gears and shift focus into that. Um, But for us, that was the focus, you know, about, you know, a couple weeks after the midway point, you know, we knew we were out of contention for a Western Division title. It's like, well, next thing we can do is go win a bowl game. So we had to focus on that and work really hard towards that goal. And our kids have done a phenomenal job. So for us, it means everything, you know, get to finish a year on a high note. Um, Certainly getting in is is a boost. Uh, but, you know, anytime you have a chance to win your last game of the year, that, that's that's definitely some momentum moving forward. 
One of the stars of the ball club defensively, Zion Hill Green, has had a great career, a great season. And if the cards uh, fall his way, he has the opportunity to break the UL sack record in the bowl game. Zion shared his thoughts about that possibility. Uh, you know, uh, once I saw who was playing, I was one of the things that popped up in my head, you know. Uh, but like Coach Dad said, he's going to give me the best opportunity at getting the sack, you know. And when the opportunity comes, I just have to cash it in. You know, I have to make it work. So uh, I'm ready to play, you know. I'm ready to be. We're here in Louisiana, so we're going to have the crowd here with us, you know. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. And then um, one more with Zion about um, confidence. It's such a big, big, big factor. If you have it, you got a shot. If you're if you're weary or leery with it, you really don't have a shot. He talked about how confidence was such a big factor for this year's edition of the Cajuns. You know, that was also a big thing, having confidence in yourself. I feel like if you don't have confidence in yourself, then then what is it? You know, what what are you doing this journey for? What are you taking the risk for? You know, confidence can go a long way. I tell the D-lineman all the time, you know, I can be confident in y'all, but you also have to be confident in yourself. Confidence starts within yourself, you know. But we preach that in and out every uh, Thursday in players-only meeting. We preach confidence as a highly thing, you know. Have confidence in whatever you do and whatever work you're attacking. Because at the end of the day, confidence can get you a long way in life. No question about that. Well, well said. Um, if we can go to the block now with LSU sound, James. Um, a lot of people up in arms and saying, man, LSU should remember the fact that uh, with the game well in hand, Georgia went for two points to get to 50. And um, I don't fault them at all. Uh, but Brian Kelly was being asked, I think a little tongue in cheek and with sarcasm that saying, hey, Brian, you're an analytic guy. Would you uh, would you go for two to make it 50 to 30 that late in the ball game? Listen to his response. Not really. You know, I don't get too caught up in what other teams are doing. It's not my job, you know, to really – it's my job to stop them, <laughs> not to figure out whether they should go for two or not. So, um, no, I, I really didn't give it much thought. It's like that team that's um, with a minute to go in the fourth quarter and they're up by 20 points and they're still full court pressing you. You, you just scratch your head and go, why? What are you doing that for? Uh, so I, I promise you, LSU fans will remember that um, until the next opportunity to play Georgia, whenever that might be, and, and we'll go from there. Oh, by the way, in case you just have been asleep for a while, of course, it's Georgia, the number one team. Uh, Michigan, number two. TCU, despite their overtime loss, remained at number three. And because of uh, um, the loss by USC, uh, Ohio State gets in at number four. Alabama shut out. Yes, indeed. Alabama will go to the Sugar Bowl, uh, take on Kansas State, Tennessee, and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. I mean, can you get any more orange than that? Orange Bowl, Orange Clemson, Orange Tennessee. I mean, it's whoosh, lots and lots and lots of orange there. Shout out to the Tulane Green Wave who won their uh, conference championship at home. They beat Central Florida. The Green Wave ranked 16th in the last uh, uh, poll. Uh, LSU number 17, by the way. But Tulane will go to the Cotton Bowl, and they'll take on the USC Trojans. Same day, same time, January 2nd, 
noon as LSU and Purdue. So uh, congratulations, uh, Willie Fritz, a team that won two games a year ago. And now um, they're the group of five representative in the New Year's Six Bowl games. What a turnaround for Willie Fritz and that program. And it was great to see Yulman Stadium filled to the gills. And they actually stormed the field after the win. Good for the – it's been a long, long time for the Green Wave to be able to celebrate something in sports uh so that that's a great story and congratulations to them all right we'll take a quick time out here much more on the tigers with blake Rafino from the are you serious podcast as we continue on on this monday december the 5th the year 2022 stick around the jordy holberg show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back on this Monday, December 5th, 34 minutes after the hour. Our privilege and our joy to welcome in our good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Podcast as we delve a little deeper into LSU. 50 to 30 losers to Georgia in the SEC Championship game. They'll play Purdue in the Citrus Bowl on January 2nd uh, in Orlando. Blake, good afternoon, my friend. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. Um, anything you want to say about that uh, championship game? I mean, sum it up for me. I think that the, the number one thing for me is that you kept fighting. You were down 35-7, to seven and you, yeah. you stormed back, and you fought. And really and truly, Jordy, that's all I called for during the week. Yeah. Um, last week is, is for them to go out there and fight. I mean, you're going up against a team that – really and truly out, out matches you from a depth perspective. Yep. A defense that rotates nine defensive linemen uh, in and out that can <clears throat> obviously start in the SEC. So I, I, I like to fight. Jordy, I, I'm, I'm happy that you have two quarterbacks, one that threw for 200 yards on a bum leg in the first half and another that threw for 300 yards in the second half. So <laughs> I, I thought both of them played really well. <laughs> Um, the bottom Excuse line me. is the last two weeks, LSU's defense has been absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Um, it's ironic. The game, the, the season started with poor special teams play and LSU's marching down the field to start the game and they can't convert on a, on a field goal. And then everybody just kind of went, uh, whoa, whoa, what do we do now? So, um, I'll be curious to see. I like Brian Polian. I think he does a great job in recruiting. Just don't think he's the guy to coach your special teams. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> You know, it's so unfortunate, too, because it's not as if that – like, that play, Jordy, does or the field goal, field goal, or, or extra point, whatever, doesn't have a lot of scheme to it, right? Like, Jalen Carter absolutely physically abused uh, Anthony Bradford and blocked the kick, right? Yeah. And so, 
But the problem is, and I, look, I will be honest, Jordy, to a fault, okay? Um, I did not know and had never seen practice in four years of college when the ball is blocked that it's still able to be advanced on a field goal, mm-hmm. right? Like, I knew that it could obviously be advanced on a punt, but the ball is considered down, right? When the ball goes down on the ground, it's considered down, and you're able to formulate the kick, okay? The rule, and I heard the explanation today, uh, Pat McAfee even talked about it, crazy enough, the rule technically states that the ball is dead, or ball is dead once it hits after it advances, it's, it shouldn't be uh, or can't be advanced because it's already hit the ground first. So I, I don't know. That part, I, I don't know how you – now you can I coach just, it. Now you've got to coach it. But, but I've, I, seen I mean, extra it, point, I've seen extra points get blocked and teams pick it up and go the other way and score two points. Well, that's – is, is that – That's after a touchdown. That's after if a touchdown, the they're trying to kick an extra point, and they block it, scoop, and score, and get two points. So, I, but if it's, I don't behind, if it's, it's because behind it's the in, line of scrimmage, though, they can pick it up and advance it. What I'm talking yeah. about is it going beyond the line of scrimmage. Right, Once, but right. regardless, you've got to know that situation, regardless. Yeah. So, anyway, you know. anyway <laughs> um, transfer portal has opened up. What do you anticipate from LSU? Going out, coming in? Um, well, I'm surprised so far they don't have more in the portal. Uh, the two young men, and, and Antoine Sampa and Philip Webb, formally entered the portal today, but they never played, you know, they never dressed out during the season, nor right. were in fall camp. Um, you know, Jordy, I, I don't know what to really expect. Um, I, I mean, there's some guys that I'm looking at. You know, Garrett Nussmeyer's a guy that I look at. If, you know, if Jane Daniels comes back, then what does he do? You know, does he does he sit another season, or does he even want to compete and come back? Um, so that you know, there's that. There is some things that are they're flying around. Nothing fully confirmed yet about LSU wide receiver Jack Besh. So uh, you know, there are some guys you know along the offensive line like Cardell Thomas, Marcus Dumerville that I'm really looking out for. But I don't think that I, – I, Jordan, I don't think that they'll get ha- hit hard, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I expect some guys to be out, but I don't I, I don't expect LSU to get hit very, very hard like they've oh. been the last okay. couple of seasons. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. On the flip side, what do you think LSU's looking for in the portal? I think that they'll go for a, 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 maybe a more experienced wide receiver – uh, a guy that fits maybe to what they're wanting to do uh, okay. in the slot, uh, a true slot wide receiver. Kayshawn's not a true slot. He's going to be an X or a Y at the next level. He's he's more Jamar Chase than he is, you know, Justin Jefferson in a sense because right. Justin can be more phys- you know, can be more physical, and and Kayshawn really doesn't want to be touched at the line of scrimmage, and that's not a knock on him. That's a lot of dudes. He won't, yeah. If you give him some separation, he's lethal, kind of like what Georgia did and why he scored. So um, I think they go for a wide receiver. I think that they look at a center. Um, I really think that they look at a center. Um, there's a couple of them that are out there. Uh, I think that they're going to have to. They're going to hit defensive back 
problem or look at that really big. And, and, and Jordy, the number one position, and I think it's because it's on the forefront of our mind. You're going to have to find ways if there's guys in the interior defensive line um, <laughs> that you're going to that you can get. You need to go get them because you don't have a rotation there, Jordy. I mean, Georgia really had a had a nine man rotation on their defensive line. If right. you if you can if you can only rotate three, you have a massive issue. One thing to note here: there have been two guys, uh, and maybe an edge rusher, but you do have Deshaun Womack and Harold Perkins. But you do have two guys that hit the portal already today that were committed to Jamar Kane when he was at Oklahoma, and then when he left, they decommitted. One was at a. Both of them went to A and M. Both of them, one of them entered the portal. Another one, you know. Seems like he will as well. So, um, very interesting to watch out for that one. Uh, Blake Rafino with us. The other thing, LSU would love to get, and I think the fans would love if they could say first year ten wins, uh, a lot better going into the off season ten and four than nine and five. It just sounds better, feels better. It is better. So much will depend on opt outs. Do you think LSU has many opt outs? Few opt outs? A lot of opt outs? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I don't know if you're going to call this an opt-out, but I think he'll opt-out. I think there's a potential of a quote-unquote opt-out, and he comes back. I, I don't know, Jordy, why you play Jaden Daniels. If he's going to okay. return, Jordy, there's no reason, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, to play Jaden Daniels if he's hurt. You can only yeah. you can only hurt your season next year even worse. I, I think B.J. Ojolari – uh, is a guy that I think um, should opt out. You know, he he and Mel Kiper had him in the top the top thirty. I think it was today. I, I, if he's a first round, I mean, come on. Um, yeah. I, I wonder what Michael Baskerville does. I think that that's going to be really intriguing. But really, other than that, I mean, Kayshawn Booty, obviously. Um, but other than that, Jordy, I, I don't know if there's guys that are on this team that should opt out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Greg Brooks, no. Fouché, no. Maybe Jared Bernard Converse. But Jared Bernard Converse doesn't have to give LSU anything more. I mean, he's played, at this point, Jordan, he's played, what, 59 games? He started 59 games in, in <laughs> college. I mean, what what else does he have to prove? Right. Um, so what, is that five? Five or six? So yeah. not as much as anticipated. Again, Jordy, even even in eighteen, you know, remember that year in eighteen when you're moving Manny Netherly from wide receiver to DB. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness alive, I don't think it gets that bad. At least we'll have a proven quarterback play in this game as compared to last year's bowl game with that that debacle. My goodness, that that was just beyond description. Um, little interesting factoid: uh, they'll be playing in Camping World Stadium, so they'll end this season in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. They'll start next season, twenty twenty three, in Camping World Stadium, taking on Florida State. And the last time LSU played in Camping World Stadium was. January 1st, 2018, LSU lost 21-17 to Brian Kelly's Notre Dame Fighting Irish team. So a lot of uh, six degrees of separation here. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, look, I think Purdue's an interesting team to draw. Um, Let's go get your 10th win. Send me on that one. Go ahead. You know, let's go get the 10th win. Um, It's a culture builder, right? I mean, like, 
look, this team's battled all year long. Let's go get it. And so, really and truthfully, I, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, and you know what else it does, even if you lose this game, which, Jordy, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot in these bowl games now that a lot of people just don't care anymore, fans included. Um, yeah. You know, uh, what, what does help, and even if you do lose, Jordy, you have an entire offseason – now you're prepared. What does it look like when you go to Tallahassee, when you go to Orlando? What hotel do you stay in? The right. food you eat. The, you know, there's there's so much that happens here that is so good for LSU that it, it just you know you can't you can't write a better script than that because you end your season and you start your season. It's only a plus. And really and truthfully, I mean, well, we got a Cotton Bowl win. Okay, sounds great. If you would have gone there. If you're going to look into next season, I'd rather go here because you're getting your guys into a routine of it. I mm-hmm. will say this, and I want to throw this your way. Yeah. Not reporting, not saying anything. Just throwing it out there. We talk about experienced quarterbacks playing in this game. I agree. Um, but, Jordy, I, I wonder I wonder if Walker Howard's going to play in this game significantly if Garrett Nussmeyer hits the portal. Yeah. Um, well, if Jaden Daniels is hurt, Jane Daniels is hurt. Garrett Nussmeyer transfers. Well, then then he's got to play, right? I mean, it doesn't affect his he's eligibility or his uh, red shirt. Um, so well, I think golly, he's got. What, I yeah. think he's got two more games this year, so he would still be able to take it. But I right. mean, you're now <laughs> now you're in a situation where you might have gotten a a, a, a you know. All three of your quarterbacks might have a little bit of a debut in reference to, hey, what does all three of them have, right? And if Garrett Musnard doesn't transfer, if I'm Brian Kelly, I tell Jane Daniels, listen, there's no reason for you to play and get hurt worse. I would let I would let Walker Howard and Garrett Nussmeyer battle it out. Let's battle it out. Who wins it? I mean, it's kind of a really good – Jordy, it's kind of a great problem to have, though, right? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you had two really talented young men that are about to battle it out. Let's go get it. I, I think it's intriguing. Well, competition is great. I mean, that's uh, – and as a player, you should warrant competition and let the best man win and go from there. Um, do you mm-hmm. see LSU closing out strong in recruiting this uh, this year? Yeah, I do. And, and look, I mean, if, if Jordy, if they if they're able to land Desmond Ricks, the five star defensive back corner, Javion Taviano, uh, you know, there's some other guys that you know they're going after. Jackson McGowan, who's a tight end, who just literally today decommitted from Cincinnati. Uh, a lot of things trending LSU's way there. Uh, you know, they could they could end with 27 to 28 high school players. And from what I'm told, they want to try to get eight to ten guys in the portal. Jordy, you completely revamped your depth. Now you got to go get some some key pieces, but yeah. you know, Jordy, what happens if you get De- if you get Patrick Peterson type level or Desmond? R- I mean, uh, Derek Stingley type corner. Oh, I mean, now you get back to the situation where okay, yeah. now when LSU goes back to the SEC championship game. Okay, now you now we're a little bit close to equal playing field. Yeah. I, I you know and look this is not uh, hearsay or after the fact and all. I was never really comfortable 
all year long with our defensive secondary. I, it was so many moving parts and this, that, and maybe because, I mean, I wasn't really that familiar with them because they came from all over the world to come here, but I was never really comfortable like, okay, we've got really good corners and we can shut people down. I never felt that way. Right. Yeah, they had some really good moments. They also had some really, really bad moments. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the Greg the Greg Brooks strip at the end of the Auburn game to seal the victory, the Jerry Bernard Converse interception, but then you turn right around and you look at Tennessee, you look at the opening play against Florida. They I mean the last two weeks. I, bottom line, Stetson Bennett ate us alive last week, Saturday. Yeah. They, LSU stacked the box and said and, and Georgia couldn't run the football and they said Stetson Venus and he said, Okay, I'm gonna beat you. And there comes a point where, Jordy, if you can do that against Georgia and then you act, then you get to a point where you get on equal playing ground where you have a corner that can lock down an entire side and then you're, work, then you're cooking with grease. Yeah. But they, they, they struggled massively, and you're, you're dead on with that one. Um, any problem with Georgia going for two in that situation late in the game? Is that, is that analytics? No, because- I mean, that's not analytics, is it? No, actually, actually it is. So think about it like this. LSU gets a Georgia three and out there down by 20. Garrett Nussmeyer goes down the field, okay, and then you ha- uh, when he goes down the field, remember the fade route to Kayshawn Booty that yep. gets intercepted, right? Yep. Okay, well, they get an, LSU gets another three and out on Georgia. They're, they're trying to move down the field. Garrett Nussmeyer fumbles the ball. Let's just play the what-if game for just a quick second, Okay. okay. You're down three scores technically, or close to three scores. If it's you know, it's a bigger deal, Jordy. If it's 18, 17, 18, or if you're down three touchdowns, right? So yeah. what if, just hypothetically, what if Garrett Nussmeyer doesn't throw the interception and Kayshawn Booty comes down with it? And what if he doesn't fumble? Then they're only down six, right? And then you yeah. get to a scenario where, well, God bless it, you know. So. Yeah, I'm not I, personally. I'm. I'm not. It doesn't bother me at all. Right, personally, it right. doesn't bother me at all because, you, again, you're up 18. You get two to go up by 20. LSU comes down and, and throws an interception. Jordan, they're they're 17 yards away from scoring a touchdown, and it being mm-hmm. a 13 point ball game. Right. So no, right. I, I don't. I don't have an issue with it. Okay. I, I don't. I, That's I fair. assume people did have an issue with it, but no. I mean, because I'd rather be down two touchdowns, and but that's just but that's just me. I don't. And LSU but, went LSU went for two against Georgia in 2019, and nobody had a problem then. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so we'll we'll have to watch the portal. Uh, we'll have to watch the opt outs, and we'll have to see what uh, LSU team is available uh, January second. But ten wins is a, is quite an accomplishment if they can get to it. Um, so we shall yep. see. Blake Rafino, um, happy holidays, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, and thank you as always. Yes, sir. You too. Go Tigers. My buddy, you take care. I uh, will take a final. Dick, dick. You know, Coke Show started that. Go Tigers and all that stuff. You hear every team now. Kirby Smart. Go dogs. Um, go Vols. Go everybody says it now. So I think I think uh I think um O was a trendsetter, uh a voice ahead of his time. We'll take our final time out, the Jordy Holbert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh we'll be back after this to wrap things up. Stay with us. 
Jordy Holtberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? When you wash your hair, you know, I work on my hair a long time and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, shout out Kim Mulkey's 11th ranked LSU women's basketball team remained undefeated. They're 9-0. They had a hard-fought 85-72 win on the road over Tulane. The Green Wave were 5-3. That, that's, that's actually a, a good team to schedule and a good place to play. Um, so that was a good challenge for LSU women's basketball. Jasmine Carson, a new career high with 21 points, second, 17 in the second half. She had four threes. She's a grad transfer. And Angel Reese, the sophomore forward, another double-double, her ninth in nine games with uh, 21 points and 10 rebounds. Um, LSU's in final exams. They return home for a matchup against UNO next Sunday at 2 p.m. Final exam time. Always a good time. All right, special thanks to our guest, Chris Rose for glue. We're both picking the Saints to beat the Bucks tonight. Glenn West on LSU. Christian Clark on the 15-8 and eight New Orleans Pelicans. And Blake Rafino on LSU. You. James, thank you so much for all you do. Oh, by the way, if today's your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share it with Christian Yelich, who is 31 years old. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helpberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. It's the holiday season. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody.